0: Hello, this is John Bowling, and thank you for listening to the Franklin First United Methodist Church podcast. I hope you enjoy this and find it encouraging and inspiring. If you'd like to check us out online, go to www.franklinfirstumc.com. Jesus exemplifies obedience, doesn't he? He was obedient, not to his own flesh, not to his own will, but to his father's will. I can't help but think of that Christ hymn in Philippians 2 5-11 through 11. most believe that the words that Paul shares they are not his own but rather a part of a hymn that the early church was already singing and he reminds us in Philippians 2 that God emptied himself into a person and the Greek word that's used there we often translate it as person or servant but it's really slave that he emptied him for himself in the, in the form of a slave who gave up his divinity to share in the suffering of humankind and was obedient to death even the scripture says death on a cross but remember he died for our sin Jesus was obedient to his Father so that we, you and I, might know and experience and celebrate life, true life, meaningful life, and know eternal life in his presence. Yes, Jesus was obedient to his mission, and his mission was to pay the price for our sin. He knew that the price would be the shedding of his own blood. But he did not turn away. He could have. He enters Jerusalem. You know it and I know it. He knew what was going to happen by the end of the week when he rides that donkey into Jerusalem and people met him with great fanfare. But he didn't have to go to Jerusalem. He could have avoided it. He could have headed for the hills of Judea or or gone to some place beyond the Galilee and, and, and lived out to a ripe old age, but he didn't. He was obedient. When he entered Jerusalem and the crowds greeted him with shouts of Hosanna, which means save now. And sometimes we like to think, oh, isn't that wonderful? They want to be delivered from their sins. Save now. Oh, no. Waving palm branches was was like waving the Israeli flag. And they were an occupied land, occupied by the Romans. By saying, save now, what they were really saying was, deliver us now. Deliver us from the Romans. He could have jumped up, snapped his fingers. Angels from heaven could have come down with swords in their hands and run through every Roman that there was. But that's not, that's not what he did. He was obedient. Again, when he went to the garden to pray, he could have said, Lord, there's, there's got to be another way. We can still accomplish something good, but, but I don't really have to die. Father, have you really thought this through? Isn't there a plan B? He didn't do it. He did say, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Your will will. Be done. He was obedient. On the cross. On the cross, he could have cursed those who nailed him to that tree. He could have cursed God for allowing it to happen. He could have cursed himself for for believing in all. But he didn't. He trusted. And he was obedient. To the very end, Jesus was obedient to his mission. He went to Jerusalem. There were so many opportunities for him to back out or slip away, but his mission was to die for the sins of the world. He was obedient. But what about us? We are certainly to recall and I think to celebrate and give thanks that Jesus was obedient, but it's all for naught if we don't recognize not only was Jesus obedient so that we might be atoned for our sins, he was also obedient in such a way that he would model for us what it is for us to be obedient. You know, in many ways, it's not difficult to attract people to the gospel message because it is a message of encouragement, it is a message of hope, it is a message of love and forgiveness and of new beginnings. But it is difficult to sustain the interest in the gospel for many. I mean for crying out loud, every church in the country has at least twice the amount of members, including our own, that actually attend it because we're excited at first and then the excitement wanes and the truth is we all want to go to heaven if we're honest we would say out loud "You, you better believe it I want to go to heaven and many people will make a commitment to Jesus because they want to go to heaven. You've heard me say this many times before. We want Jesus to be our Savior, but we're not near as enthusiastic about following Jesus as our Lord, even though they go hand in hand, Savior and Lord. Not Savior or Lord, Savior and Lord. I made a post on my Facebook yesterday. I thought about putting this post on the church Facebook page, but I was afraid there were some folks that might have a difficult time with it. It, it, it asked the question Do you have a big butt? Now, see, you're already jumping to a conclusion. B U T, it's a conjunction, not a noun. Do you have a big butt? Lord, I would serve you, but Lord, I would be in church more regularly, but Lord, I would give and support the work of the church financially, but some of us have a big but problem, don't we? I can't wait to see how many of you go check my Facebook page later. (laughs) Please don't do it now. Wait until the service is over. Again, something you've, you've heard me say often, sometimes we can be cultural Christians and we know a verse or two, we know a story or two, we'll talk about Uh, the man upstairs, and we'll refer to the Bible as the good book. Well, have we communicated to the man upstairs through prayer in such a way that we know the man upstairs, so he's no longer a man upstairs, but he's my heavenly Father? Have we read the good book, so instead of being a good book, it becomes God's book and God's Word, giving me instruction and feeding my soul and my spirit? You know, there's a big market out there for religious experience. A significant, life changing religious experience. There's a big market out there for that. And people will try all kinds of things, do all kinds of things, read all kinds of things. But it's, it's another matter to be patient in the acquisition of such. A religious experience, specifically a, a Christian experience. Sometimes people say, I, "I just don't feel the presence of the Lord." I, I understand what people mean. John says in Revelation twenty-one when he's describing heaven. He said, he says, and and God will be with His people. It's it's a it's a wonderful expression. And we think, well, isn't God already with His people? Yes. But in the kingdom that is to come, our realization of that will be constant. Right now, our, our, our realization, our, our recognition of God's presence with us can be a spasmodic and, and fleeting thing because our attention, we're, we're going from here to there. If you want to experience the power and presence of God in your life, we've got we've to hang in and hang on. We can, we can talk about the importance of, of children and youth and reaching out to new people. That, that, that is something I hear often in, in all churches, in all denominations. Oh, we, we want to put emphasis on children and youth. We want to reach out to young uh, to, to people. But yet you'll, you'll look in a church budget and, you know, the evangelism budget is like $50 and, and, and we, we can't afford to have anyone work with our youth, well, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? You, you say that, 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 that we need to put an emphasis on children and youth and an emphasis on evangelism. But that's what often, often happens. I tell you, it takes commitment and dedication, patience, persistence. In a word obedience. And obedience, friends, is more than just an action. In fact, I would argue that obedience isn't an action at all. It is a disposition. It is a posture. It is an attitude. And please don't think about obedience as something that's negative. I think when we talk about Christian obedience, we we see that as a negative. Because we think back to childhood Why were we obedient to our parents? Because we would get a whipping if we were not. No amens there? I'll give a testimony right now. I got plenty of whippings because I was not obedient. I did not do as I was told to do. Now I'm 45. My father is in his 80s. When I became an adult, I was still obedient to my parents, not in the same way That I was to be obedient when I was a child because now I'm an adult. But I think to be obedient to my parents at this stage in life is to bring them honor. It is is to serve my parents when I have an opportunity. It's not out of a fear of being punished in any way, but it flows from a delight Of somehow trying to honor them and 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 please them, Lisa. uh, We've been married for twelve years, and I honor my marriage vows not because I'm afraid she's going to leave me and take half of everything that I own. Or that she might smear my name or start rumors about me that might be difficult for me to be a pastor. I'm faithful to the vows that we've made in marriage because I love her. And I want our relationship to grow. I want us to have a a deeper understanding of one another. A deeper communion of our spirits together together next year than this year because we're being obedient not necessarily to each other but we're being obedient to our marriage vows now of course we're not perfect none of us are perfect this is another thing I I want us to consider as we think about obedience because obedience should not be anything negative but also don't beat yourself up when you're not obedient because we are going to fail and fall because we're human beings we are not perfect we rejoice that we serve a living and loving God who is always offering us forgiveness and restoration in addition to that the Spirit of God which lives within each and every one of us will prompt us toward obedience we don't have to do it alone. Now I can remember, getting a tad off topic here for a moment, let me do it just for a moment. I can remember as a, as a teenager when I really started paying attention more and listening to preachers and listening to my Sunday school teachers, I would hear people give these testimonies about, now when you become a Christian, the devil's going to tempt you or God's going to tempt you. You're going to experience more temptation Perhaps we are more cognizant of that temptation. Temptation is always out there, but it's wrong for us to think that God is going to somehow tempt us. In fact, the Scriptures tell us, I believe it's in James, uh, tells us straightforwardly that, that God does not tempt His children. But logically, why would God send his son into the world to die for us to know how much he loves us so we come to god through jesus and then god says now that i've got you i'm gonna do everything i can to push you away see that's that's foolishness the old church word that we use is sanctification that the spirit is within us giving us strength prompting us for righteousness that we don't do it alone which is another reason we gather for corporate worship and we gather for Sunday school and we gather for small groups and we share prayer concerns and we encourage one another we encourage one another because we're a part of the family of God and we want to continue to be obedient now most everyone if not everyone in this room knows that that I'm a recovering alcoholic and went to rehab in 1994. Now, what I'm about to tell you, you know, we're tempted sometimes as preachers. People ask Lisa all the time, did that really happen? You know, we'll, we'll tell a story. Listen, that old saying, truth is stranger than fiction, that's true. And, and things that happen in our lives, sometimes you, you can't make up. They're, they're, they're better than stories you could make up. And I take very seriously... Uh, when I share these kinds of things uh, with you. So I'm not embellishing this whatsoever. But in 1993, I have a very vivid memory of laying in my bed with a loaded pistol thinking about taking my life. And the reason that I thought about that was I could not imagine life without drinking. Now keep in mind, I was not the person... That had a beer watching TV or a glass of wine with dinner, whatever was available. I drank it. I drank it all. I drank till I passed out. Uh, although I do think the world would probably be a much better place with without any alcohol at all. But that's not the world we live in, and I don't think anybody's going to go to hell for having a a beer during a game or a glass of wine during dinner. But I can't do that, and I never could do that. And so I was, I remember very well, laying in my bed, just contemplating, uh, very logically, you know, kind of philosophically, taking my life, because I could not imagine living without drinking. But I couldn't imagine, I didn't move forward for several reasons. One was being I I didn't want to hurt my parents. One, of course, being that that I thought that in itself uh, was not God's plan. That's not God's good intention uh, for for, for me to take my life. But I knew that there was pain within me, not not just because I wrestled with my drinking problem and being a minister. I, I could have left the ministry and done something else. It was living as a faithful disciple of Jesus. That was really my problem. It wasn't being in the ministry. Nobody knew that I drank. I did it in in secrecy. But it it was this hungering and thirsting that I had for experiencing the Spirit of God as I had previously in my life. And, and And it took... 10 months or so, and I had a tr- tremendous support system with my parents and my sisters and some good friends who, who encouraged me to follow through with, with my treatment. And, and unfortunately, not everybody has that kind of, of support. And you know, it wasn't long after I got sober that I started to experience just that that power, that that sense of presence of God in my life again. Now, now don't don't pat me on the back. Don't think that I'm better than the average person because in no way am I. Again, I had a tremendous support system from parents and family and friends that helped me get sober and stayed with me through that through that journey. But I want you to ask yourself right now very seriously if there's anything in the way of your obedience to Christ. Is there something in the way? It could be a person. You know, we have this expression now, toxic personality. And and every one of us know exactly what that means. Because we've known people, whether they're gossipers or they're haters you know, people that, that you can be around and when you're around them, you become like them. If they're a gossiper, when you're around them, you start gossiping about everybody. If they're always negative, can you believe she's wearing that shirt? Look at his hair. Can you believe that? And then you start doing the same thing. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe it is some kind of addiction. Addiction. I don't know, but is there anything standing in the way between you and your obedience to Jesus? I I want you to close your eyes and pray with me. And I want us to be very, very sincere, very open and honest because you're not praying to me. You're not going to have to pray out loud. You're just opening yourself to God right now in prayer and we're going to pray together, Lord Lord, hear us as we are in this room hear us as we're sitting in these chairs today some of us are doing better than others in being obedient but Lord, some of us this morning are struggling with what it means to be obedient and we may be among those who complain a bit that we, we just don't experience your presence maybe church isn't for me maybe i need to search elsewhere when in, when in fact we've removed ourselves from you or perhaps there's something between us and you that we've put there we've allowed to be there so this morning right now lord for those of us who are gathered in this room i pray that you that you would help us have the spiritual strength to move forward and if we need to make some adjustments and changes, then we'll make those adjustments and changes. Help us to know that we're here with folks that will help us do that. Some we, we may know better than others, but, but, but help us to, to encourage one another. Help us to, to say, if, if we need to say it, I, I need some help. Because we want to be obedient in our walk with Jesus. We want to know Jesus more. We want to be more faithful so we can enter into a deeper communion with you in this journey. But also that we might encourage others to know that you are indeed a God of love and grace and forgiveness. And you desire for each of us to know you in a deep and profound, personal way. So move us to higher ground this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Again, thank you for listening. This is John Bowling, pastor of Franklin First United Methodist Church in Franklin, Kentucky. Hope that you can visit with us sometime, and you can find all the information about our church and how you can be involved at franklinfirstumc.com. If you'd like to financially support this ministry, that would greatly be appreciated. And again, you can find our mailing address on our website. Take care.